Hey, good morning, everyone. Obviously, I'm not there today along with the rest of our pastors. We are out in Colorado today with about 60 other pastors across the state of Kansas for our annual pastors and spouses retreat. And just thank you for being a church that supports our mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional well-being. And we look forward to being with you next Sunday. But we have a great communicator and speaker with us today. I want to introduce him to you. His name is Sean Siegfried. He's the pastor of our First Church of the Nazarene in Kansas City. And uh, Sean didn't grow up in the church. Uh, he grew up in a broken home. Uh, sophomore year of, of high school, his dad and mom divorced. Uh, they, were, they, they weren't part of a church, but a pastor reached out to them, began to love on he and his dad. And uh, his dad came to find and follow Jesus. And shortly thereafter, Sean came to follow Jesus, and it changed the trajectory of his life. And he went on to Mid-American Nazarene University where he played football there. And he married a, a woman who said that she would never be a pastor, which happens to be my sister, Sherry. And she's here today. I want to welcome both Sean and Sherry here. Um, I worked on, and served under Sean's leadership when I first started in ministry. Had the blessing and privilege of seeing some great fruit from his ministry as we saw a church go from two to 400 and another church go from seven to 1400 and then I entered into the lead pastor myself at a different place. Um, but one of the greatest things I will say, he has a passion for people and people that are broken because he knows himself what it is to be broken. Um, they've been married about 30 years. I could say a lot more, but I, more than just a pastor, more than a husband, more than a father and a grandfather, uh, the greatest title that I could give him today is one of my best friends. So would you please give a warm Hutch First Naz welcome to Sean Siegfried and his wife Sherry. Well, thank you for having me here today, and thank you to Pastor Kent and your great staff. It's great to be here uh, from Kansas City. I, we're at Kansas City uh, First Church, and uh, we bring you greetings from, from Kansas City, and so thankful to be here. I have great confidence uh, in Kent Peterson. He's, of course, my brother-in-law. Uh, I've been married to his uh, sister for 33 and a half years, and I think we're going to make it to 34. Uh, I really do. Uh, and, uh, and I'm just so thankful for Pastor Kent's leadership. And uh, I, I could tell you, I could spend an hour and tell you all kinds of stories that he wouldn't want me to tell you about him. But you probably know a little bit about him already. He's kind of a, a, a fun guy. Uh, and uh, we are so thankful for Hutch First and uh, your reception of him, I think almost six years ago now, uh, from California. And uh, so thankful, so thankful. There is one thing that I believe you're working on with him, and, and maybe he's turning the corner. It probably won't happen real soon, but I'm still working on it. He roots for the wrong NFL football team, and most of you know that. Uh, yeah, I work on the Kansas City. I bring you greetings from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he doesn't go to my church yet, but I'm working on him uh, as well. Well, we're glad, glad to be here today and uh, so thankful that I'm, uh, I'm able to, to be, um, be with you and to bring God's word. That's very important to me. At the heart of what we do is the mission of Christ. And uh, we need to be even more mission-minded these days. Um, every time that we are gathered together, whether there's a couple of us or maybe, uh, you know, another, another gathering, two services on a Sunday morning, uh, 
people's souls lie in the balance. We believe that. I believe that. And I have more to tell you about my journey to find Christ uh, from a broken home, from a, non, uh, a non-church home, didn't know anything about the church or anything really about the Lord. And there was a church that got in my way, happened to be the Church of the Nazarene. And so uh, I'm so thankful, thankful to be part of that church today. So this morning, I want to, uh, I want to talk to you about my, one of my favorite scriptures and stories from God's Word in Luke 22, 31 through 32, a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. Disciples. His disciples were, of course, with, with that inner group that, 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 that they learned from Jesus and, of course, set the world on fire after three years of ministry and resurrection and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But this was a conversation in the midst of all that's going on. Do you kind of feel like we're in a battle today in America? Do you kind of feel like we're in a battle sometimes? I know you're out here in Kansas a little farther, but Kansas City, it seems like we're on fire with some issues today. Uh, we would say Jesus is the the answer to all these problems. His ministry among us, of course, is the answer. But they're in the midst of the battle here. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He looks at Peter and he says something absolutely amazing. Would you stand with me as I read our text, the word of God for us today? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. This is God's word today. You may be seated this morning. You know, when we think about presidents, and they do this all the time, and these lists come out to who's the, the best and the worst and all that. It's always uh, kind of fun and crazy and all that. They do that. But almost always, Abraham Lincoln comes up as number one or number two. And, of course, Lincoln, what he did, and, 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 and of course, how he left this world so tragic, but he, he was in the midst of a storm uh, as well. And he's, he's looked at still today as the greatest president these United States have has ever had. But do you know that Lincoln failed way more than he had victory? Uh, Some of you might know that. In 1831, he failed in business. In 1832, he was defeated for the legislature. In 1833, he again failed in business. In 1835, tragically, his fiancée passed away. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. Uh, In 1838, he was defeated for speaker. In 1840, he was defeated for elector. In 1843, he was defeated for Congress. In 1846, he was finally elected to Congress. In 1848, he was defeated for Congress. In 1855, he was defeated for Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for vice president. In 1858, he was defeated for Senate again. 1860, he was elected to president by the province of God. So so you think, man, this guy failed a lot. What a failure. And then we look at Peter and and his life, and and it is gratifying and and, uh, gives me hope today that God will use a failure. God will use us again. Jesus had this most, uh, most of his influence over 12 guys, 12 ordinary guys. He even lost one of them, of course, Judas, who betrayed him. But through these guys, 
The gospel and story of Jesus Christ came about. This was his core leaders. He poured his life into them. He loved them. And the the result of the story, out of this story today, is Peter, who we know failed over and over again. But Jesus had a dynamic plan for his life. So today, if somebody feels like, well, I've been failing, or I failed, or there was that one time, or maybe it was even recent, Jesus has a plan for our failure. And this is the title of our message today. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. One of the churches that uh, my wife and I arrived at years ago, we were there about six months and we were getting to know the people. And I'd become pretty good friends with a ministerial candidate, a young man who I'd heard him preach. And uh, he wasn't on staff with us, but he was being licensed through our district and through our denomination. And I liked him and I liked his wife and he had a little boy. I I could see this guy really having an upward trajectory in the Church of the Nazarene and the ministry of the the Church of the Nazarene. And uh, it was a Saturday morning. We'd had Bible study together, he and I and several other guys. And he was dropping me off uh, at the the parsonage where we lived. and uh, he said, hey, and we'd actually been laughing and having a good morning. He said, hey, can I, can I talk to you about something? And we're in the car there. And sure, man, go ahead, whatever, whatever you need. He said, I got a little bit of a problem. And he was kind of smiling and maybe he was nervous. And, and I said, what, what happened? He said, was at work the other day. And there was this lady there at work that I work with her, a, a co-worker. And I began to get a little nervous. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot. And, and uh, she's my friend. And, 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 we, and, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been talking more and more. And I said, yeah, what's, what happened? He said, well, he said, uh, Sean, the other day uh, as we were, we were leaving work and we were somewhere there in the building, he said, uh, I gave her a kiss. And I said, man, that's not very funny. He said, I'm not kidding. And I got really serious then. I said, listen, man, what, you, you're married, right? You, you got a little boy. You're you're going into the ministry. He goes, I know. I think I messed up. I said, man, you did mess up. You, you, you are in trouble, man. And I was, I, was, I was upset with him. He was my brother in Christ. And then this scripture came to my mind. I remember like the Lord gave me this. And I said to him, I said his name. I said, you know what, man? Satan is sifting you as wheat. But I'm going to pray for you. You can get through this. First of all, Today, the sifting of Satan, the man or woman of God, those of us who have said, I'm going to follow the Nazarene. I I, I assume you're here this morning. Uh, Maybe you're watching whatever. I assume you say, I'm going to follow the the Nazarene. You must know one thing. The temptation of the enemy is real. And, And Peter and Jesus, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I've got something to tell you. How would you like to be Peter here? You know, and, and, and Jesus and Peter had this kind of aggressive sometimes uh, relationship. And, and he looks at Peter and he says, look out, Peter. Look out, Peter. Can I tell you today, maybe through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am saying to some of you, most, most of you I don't know, look out. The enemy has a plan to destroy your life. Jesus in his love warns us 
of this sifting. I'm 56. I've uh, pastored 30 years and been married 33. And, and I, I feel like I've, I've come through a time of life that um, I know um, quite a bit about God. I know about a relationship with Christ. I've pastored all kinds of churches and sizes of churches. And, 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 I, and I feel in somewhat secure in my relationship with Christ. But there is never a morning that I don't wake up and I realize, as the old DC Talk Toby Mac song says, I'm a man still in need of a Savior. We all still need Jesus. We all realize that there's an enemy that wants to sift us. We all we need to be reminded today there are temptations in our life. Look who is saying this. This is Jesus himself. He's saying, Peter, something's going to happen. There's a battle up ahead. And some of us, I'm sure a lot of you would say, I want to be in the battle. I, I want to be used of God. Don't you want to be used of God today? I want to be a a light to people. I I want Jesus to indwell me. I I want to be on the mission with Jesus. Well, look out if you sign up that way. Look out if you're going to get really serious in that way because the enemy is coming for us. Are we aware of the sifting of Satan in our lives? I I want to tell you something today, my friends. I, I, I talk to your pastor almost every Monday. We, we come in and we give a little report. We usually do talk about the Broncos and the Chiefs just a little bit, you know, when they're playing. And then we, hey, how's church going? I know a lot about your church. I know what you've gone through. I know what you're going through. I want to give a, a lot of credit to Hutchison First Church. Uh, we at Kansas City First Church, we're like you. We're historically a longtime church in the community. It's never been harder to keep the church going. It's never been more difficult. I don't know about you, but we got lots of discussions going on at old Casey First. If you know anything about Casey First, every Sunday I got to pound it and say, listen, let's stay on mission. Let's not get off in some kind of talk over here or over there. It's about the mission of Jesus. And let me say, may sound weird to some, I believe in the enemy. I believe in the word of God. It's still real. It's still relevant. I believe we should be about it. I, I believe the enemy is dividing our church these days. I believe that the enemy is sifting the church these days. I, I believe, this may sound weird to some of you, I believe that the, the Lord is separating the churches. I believe he's coming back for the church that's going to stay on mission. There's going to be a false church and there's going to be his church. I pray Hudson first is his church. And I pray that you're his people. And watch out for the sifting and the division of the enemy in our personal lives and in our church. And then then Jesus says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. I read this last week of of a great missionary by the name of John Patton. And he describes... When he grew up, that he used to crouch beside his mom and dad's bedroom door every day, and he would hear his father praying for the family. He wrote this years ago, If everything else in religion were by some accident blotted out, my soul would go back to those days of reality. For 60 years, my dad kept up the practice of family prayer. No day 
passed without it, no hurry for business, no arrival of friends, no trouble or sorrow, no joy or excitement ever prevented us from kneeling round the family altar while our high priest offered himself and his children to God. Pastor Kent kind of alluded to my story. I have a similar story. My, my father, who passed away a year and a half ago at the age of 73, my father was a, a lost man. In fact, my mom and dad, uh, we drove through it. Uh, Strong City, they grew up in Strong City, got married at the age of 17, had me a few months later, you know, and, and started off in life, knew nothing about the church, but my dad uh, be- became, became a, a great police officer, a uh, great big guy. My dad uh, w- was, uh, you know, he was a leader. He became, he became captain of a large police department there in Kansas City at the age of 30. He got an award on TV. I remember watching my dad at the age of 11 on TV get an award for valor. My dad was Clint Eastwood and John Wayne all rolled up together. My dad didn't know the Lord. I knew that. I mean, I didn't know that, but I had to live with him. Uh, And there was a violent side to my father and a cruel side, but I know he loved me, but I saw my dad's life break. I saw when, when the family broke up and we all went with my mom and, and he was all by himself. And, and I remember that about that time, there was a man by the name of Paul Cunningham. And I know right here in Hutch, but a few of you might recognize the name, former general, former general superintendent, uh, pastored college church there and uh, came in 1966. It was 70 people when he was elected to the general superintendency, a couple thousand people, a leader of leaders. And he liked my dad and they would ride together in the squad car and they would go tell families when somebody had died or somebody was hurt. And it was there my dad began to pour out his life to Paul Cunningham. And it was in 1980 when he lived alone there in Olathe. And we lived with mom somewhere on the east side of Olathe. Uh, there at Uphouse Hall, there at College Church. At the very back, probably 1,500 people crowded into that smaller sanctuary. And the very back in the balcony, my dad came all the way down, gave his heart to Christ, changed the direct trajectory of our whole life. And dad was a leader in the legislature here for many, many years. He came to Christ And then three years later, my heart um, was also heavy because I knew I needed to make a decision. I was a senior, and and I decided to go to Mid-America to play football there. And that's the only reason I went to Mid-America, Nazarene. And one morning, I climbed the stairs of our bi-level house there at 909 Montclair. And I had to go early into work that day. And before everybody was up, I thought, but there in the living room of that little home there at 909 Montclair, I lived in the basement. It was a bi-level home. So I came up that step and came up the next. I, I, heard, I heard my dad talking in the living room and I turned the corner and my dad, this great big six foot four, 300 pound man, kneeled in prayer saying my name and the names of my brother and sister. He got to my heart. Secondly, Jesus prays for our faith. Do you believe that? Jesus prays for our faith. And I believe to me, if there's one takeaway that you need today, and you may not remember a lot, remember this, Jesus prays for our faith. And there's so many things that he could have prayed for Peter, uh, knowing that Peter was going to be this leader of the, of the early church. But the one thing he prays for was his faith. Peter was often the spokesperson for the disciples. We see that. And Peter became the spokesperson for the gospel, uh, especially after the, the point out of, at 
Pentecost there. He knew of his leadership, but he also knew of his falling. The key to us following Jesus is our faith. Now, I would, um, I would sometimes title this message. I've preached it many times. You know, your, your, failure, your failure isn't fatal, but sometimes it can be. If there's one thing in, in, that I believe uh, uh, about the Christian life, there are many things we can do and, and still enter eternity with Christ and, and be forgiven and all that. But there's probably one thing uh, that we get in trouble with that if we leave this earth without it, we probably don't make it to eternity in Christ, in heaven, and that is we lose our faith. Don't lose your faith. If that's the one thing you have today, that's the one thing you need. And that's the main thing you need. Time and time again, the Lord affirms the faith of people. Time and time again, he affirms faith over and over again. He chastises his disciples for not having faith. So I don't want to be very dramatic today, but I will be dramatic today. I think every time we preachers stand and preach, or maybe one or two that we know that maybe you're teetering on your faith, don't lose your faith. Keep your faith in Christ. He says, Peter, I don't want your faith to fail. The greatest temptation from the enemy is for us not to have faith in Jesus. Do you trust him today? Do you trust him today? Brennan Manning is an author that I often read. And in one of his books, he writes of a man, a brilliant ethicist by the name of John Cavanaugh, who decided years ago to go three months uh, and minister to the house of the dying in Calcutta and be with Mother Teresa. And he was seeking clear answers for his life, he says. On the first morning there, he came to Mother Teresa and, and she asked, what can I do for you, John? And John asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she said. He voiced the request that was deep in his heart. His heart. He said, pray that I have clarity. She said, no, I won't do that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When John commented that she always seemed to have clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity, but what I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. There's lots of things that can get us. There's lust, there's money, pride, all kinds of things that, that can. But you know what the enemy's really working on? He's working on your faith. He's working that you will stop believing. You will stop following uh, the Lord. He, he prays for us. Jesus prays for us. Jesus encourages us. I want to encourage you today. What a, what a privilege to be here in my brother-in-law's church. What a, what a privilege it is to, to, uh, uh, to talk to you today. And I, I do pray for you. I'm, I'm not your pastor, but I'm your pastor's brother. And we talk a lot about he really, really cares for you. He really, really prays for you and, and, and thinks about you a lot. It's, it's amazing for me to, to, to see Pastor Kent become Pastor Kent. When Sherry and I uh, started dating, he was 15. And, uh, and then two years, three years later, I, or two years later, I became the youth pastor of, of his youth group. He was 17. I was 23. Do you realize that Pastor Kent, have you heard this yet? He's pretty competitive about things. 
And if people know me, I'm pretty... We had some very interesting one-on-one basketball games in our younger years. Uh, And there were times I'd have to, even in our church in Visaya, where he was my associate and we had a large church there, there were times we'd play basketball and I'd say, we got to settle down a little bit, man. The whole church is here. They're watching us, you know. But I've seen Pastor Kent become this man of God, and he is. There's been times that, that, that Kent has prayed for me in, in a way that he was a pastor to me. We want you to be encouraged today. No pastor worth his worth ever wants his, his people to go away discouraged. I'm thinking about your faith today. I'm thinking about the faith of my people back at Kansas City First Church. But you know who else is thinking about your faith? is Jesus himself. Everything he's doing is encouraging you to have faith and encouraging you not to be afraid. Casting Crowns is a, is a group that we had back at Denver First Church when we were there. And they have a, a great, a great uh, song. And the lyrics to the song go like this. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, it's still raining But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I am with you. I don't know your problems here. I don't know what you individually are going through, but I know what's happening back at Kent City First Church. I know Anita's going through chemo this week. She's a young lady. Her husband had COVID, almost died, but it's a miracle he's alive. I I know this person over here, this marriage, this is struggling. I, I, I know all these things. My message to my church, my message to you today, he is with us. He is with us and his encouragement of all things. You say, I got so many things to work on. You have one thing to work on. Strengthen your faith in Christ today. Know that he loves us and is for us. And here's the good news. He says, so when you have repented, Peter, and turned back to me again, strengthen your brothers. If we can see the, old, the New Testament as pictures, and I kind of look at it that way, there's all these pictures, and we can go through these dozens and dozens of pictures. But one of the most incredible pictures of, 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 of the New Testament, of course, is Jesus and Peter, and Peter in the garden, and cutting the guy's ear off. And, and, and then there's that scene of Peter denying Lord. He did exactly what the, what the Lord said he would do. He denied the Lord three times. And then in Luke twenty two sixty two, 62, this little bitty phrase says, he went out and wept bitterly. <laughs> There's our leader. <laughs> There's the guy who's going to lead. You wouldn't have guessed that. Man, he, he did exactly what the Lord said he was going to do. He failed big time. This is my last point. Our failure isn't final. The story is not over, friends. The book's still being written about your life. Whatever it is, your failure, wherever you are right now, there's more story to come. And if you'll put your trust in Christ, and if you'll believe that as he is for us, who can be against us, the story's not written yet. We can learn from our failures. As I said, it's a, I've pastored these different churches and recently, the, the Spirit of God in my prayer times and, and through other people I'm close to has been saying to me, what are you learning, Sean? What are you learning about yourself? What are you learning about people? What are you learning about me as the Spirit of God invades my presence? Is truth and grace at work in your life? Repentance is a must in living out his will. Anybody here perfect? 
We won't get there completely. We believe, we believe in a dynamic work of God. We believe in holiness. I, I believe in that. I, I needed a church that, would, that would, would believe in the fact that when God fills us with his spirit, he, he, he not only forgives us, he cleanses us. He, he gives us a transformation that is incredible. I could tell you things about me that people still in my hometown in Kansas City, they can't believe I'm a pastor. That's just the work of God. But I also know that, that, that we at times need to repent. I I remember that, that evening, I was saved on a Sunday night, sitting by my best friend Chip Milhuff, and, and, and I was sitting there, and he went to the altar. I came to the altar. I was saved. Dr. Cunningham came and prayed with me specifically. There was a huge church. They had 1,200 people on Sunday night. And Dr. Cunningham stood up, and, and, and he looked at me. He knew me. I was friends with his son, Paul. And he said, now, Sean, you're a saved man. And I needed that. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. You guys, here, here's my heart. You know it. Kent would say it. My heart is not for everybody we have in here today. And, I, and in the six churches I've pastored, they, knew, they got sick of it probably. My heart is for those people like myself that don't know him and need a church to say, come on in. We don't care what you look like. We don't care where you've been. We just know that God loves you. I was that kid. And the pastor of the church said to me, now, Sean, you're saved. I need to hear that. You just prayed for repentance and something had happened to me. He said, now nah, I'm going to do it in Kansas City because that's where I'm from. But Kansas City, Topeka is about 70 miles. He said, Sean, if, you, if you're going over to Topeka for something and you get a, and this was almost 40 years ago now, he said this to me, you get a, you get a flat tire in Lawrence, which is about 25 miles away. You don't come back to Olathe to, to fix a flat. You fix it right there. So, so when you have a problem, don't quit. Keep going. And he quoted the scripture, I think, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm almost done. i got to hurry. But I know today too many people, and I, and I don't say this to be arrogant. I've pastored thousands of people, and it's the most disheartening thing to see people quit when they're right on the verge of being victorious. Oh, I messed up. I, I failed. You know what? God can forgive you. Keep on moving towards him. Keep on now, now get rid of it. Don't stay humble and, 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 and seek his purity, but keep moving. You see, this is the love of God. This is the powerful manifestation. We talk about the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I believe the most powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit is the perfect love of God lived out through us. Seek that in filling. There's a great song, an older song. The lyrics of, the, of this song go like this, the love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. It reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we think the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Where every stock on earth a quill and every man ascribed a trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song, the love of God. His love changed everything in my life. Everything in my life changed that day. His love changes our life. Jesus 
can still use this after we failed. I love this scripture because I'm in this scripture. You're in this scripture. Jesus wants us to be used after our failure. We see the picture of Peter weeping bitterly in some narrow corner where he was. And then we see Jesus on the seashore. This incredible, uh, weird kind of breakfast. <laughs> and, and he jumps in the water and then, then there's breakfast. And, 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 and the Lord says something to him three times. What he is, is restoring Peter. And he's saying, feed my sheep, lead my people, love my people. I want to tell you today, somebody says, I can never be a leader. I failed so many times. You're the right kind of leader. Because when we've come from where we come, we understand and we have compassion on people. We don't lead with guilt. We lead with hope and grace because that's what Christ is all about. And I can tell you today, and I know you're on mission here. Stay on mission. This church has always been that great church here in this part of Kansas. Stay on mission. There are still lost people that feel like failures outside in this community and in this area that could be reached if they just believed that after their failure, God still loves them. Still believing. Finally, the last story I, w- I want to tell is, a, is a, an incredible story about a man named Dave years ago. Back in the 60s, Dave Reaver, maybe some of you heard him speak. Dave Reaver, I first heard this story 30 years ago, was drafted to serve in the Vietnam conflict. He was a Christian young man, uh, 22, 23 years of age, uh, and married uh, at that time, called to preach, but he was drafted. And he had to go to, had to, go to war. And, uh, of course, he was a, a, a man of God, a preacher. And so they called him Preacher Boy. And his own platoon recognized that he was a preacher, but they were all uh, young, non-Christian young men. As a matter of fact, his two best friends, Dave, uh, uh, called them pervert number one and pervert number two. And so they were in Vietnam and, and, and in that terrible conflict. And one day... They're floating down uh, the river on this little boat, and, and uh, they're in a firefight. I can't imagine, you know, that kind of war these days, but they're in this terrible firefight. And, and Dave Reaver stands up, and he has a white phosphorus grenade, and he, and he pulls the pin, and he pulls back, and there's a sniper in the trees, and it hits his hand, and this white phosphorus grenade explodes all over him. Uh, and, and phosphorus burns at 5,000 degrees. His face was literally blown off. The right side of his skull, I wouldn't describe his injuries, it'd make you ill today, but the right side of his skull was burnt down into his skull, the right side of his, 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 his face. And so he's burning everywhere on the inside and on the outside. And, and there's water, he's, he's on fire, he's dying and he jumps into the water and he sinks down and he literally sees his skin floating beside him and he knows what's happening. He believes he's dying, but then he's below the water, which gave a little bit of relief from this terrible fire, but he needs air. (laughs) And so he shoots to the top and this has been documented so many times and told many times, but Dave Reaver, when he hits the water, he screams these words, God, I still believe in you. I still believe. He said right then, pervert number one, was saved. I have a picture of Dave Reaver, I think, and uh, um, I've had him at our church in Denver twice. I, I remember Sherry and I going out to eat with he and his wife, um, and uh, probably the most positive 
man I've ever been around. As I told this story today, I thought of one story that I'll close with um, about belief. And this is a personal story. A few, a few weeks ago, uh, a guy that I played football with at Mid-America, and we were, when I got to, when I got to Kansas from Denver, I, we kind of looked each other up, and he didn't have a church, and he'd just gone through a, a tough divorce, and he was my friend back in the day, and we kind of rekindled our friendship and began to go to our church. And several weeks ago, uh, it was a Monday, and that's my day off, and I was with my son, uh, one of my son-in-laws, and we were, we were driving around, and I got a call from my friend, Tim Carroll. And, and I knew he wouldn't call me on a Monday for some reason. He said, I have an urgent need. And, and I called him. I was in the car. And, and Tim, who's a sheriff's officer, he said, uh, my son Adam has just been shot and killed. And, and, I, and I immediately, I have, a, I have a son who's 21 and his son was 20. And I, I, of course, I was shocked. I didn't know what to say. And I said, my brother, I'm so sorry. And he said, yeah, we're overwhelmed. We don't know what the thing was. And, and uh, uh, five days later, we had, the, we had the funeral for Adam. I'll never forget what my brother said. As I, I didn't know what to say to him, but I got out and was walking around in some hamburger parking lot and just saying, are you okay? And he seemed to be okay. He's, he's shocked, of course. And I said, where are you right now? I mean, I mean and he knew we're, we're, we're really good friends. I didn't mean, where are you physically? Where are you in your mind? And he said, Sean, this is what I know. The anchor holds. My faith is hit bottom, but my faith is still strong. I have seen this miracle, and I pray you never, ever have to hear those kinds of news. But if you live long enough, there will be a time that, that the enemy is going to come in and, and take everything away, it seems like. And when you get there, my prayer for you and for me is that we could say, no matter what happens, I still believe. No matter what happens, I'm sticking with Jesus. I believe in him. My friend Tim has had such a ministry these last six, seven weeks. I have seen this cop, and I'm from a family of cops. I was a sheriff's officer for a while. I understand that life. I have seen him be a witness to hundreds and hundreds of people over the incredibly terrible death of his, his son, Adam, because of one thing. Because he believes. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you for being such a good audience. And uh, thank you for, um, for being nice to my brother <laughs> and Heather and the girls and the family of God. So I'm this unchurched guy. And I know you got to go and we got to go to lunch and all that stuff. But I'm an unchurched guy. And I still think unchurched ways. And I, I think you guys, what you've done is so brilliant, what you're doing here and how you've done. Man, you, I, I love the sanctuary. My sanctuary, you have all these pews in it, you know. And uh, I'm going to get some tables, by the way. I love the tables uh, in the sanctuary. But you're trying. And the main thing is if I can encourage you today and you leaders here, you're on mission. You're on mission. Stay on mission with Pastor Kent. Stay on mission with this good staff and keep your eye to the door because there's going to be people that come in the door and they're going to hear, need to hear, hey, we've got some grace for you. Just like my family, just like my lost family 35 years ago, there's going to be people come in and they're going to need that kind of help. Let's stay on mission. And today, if you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling with belief, simple prayer of repentance to say, Lord, 
I'm sorry. My faith has wavered. You know, God, I just believe. I just believe, and I'm going to believe until you see it face to face in eternity. But for the rest of my life, I'm a follower of the Nazarene. Father, we love you today. We thank you, God, for this great church, Lord. I, I, I literally tremble as I think of the thousands of people, God, through the years and great pastors like Broadbrooks and Franklin and, and uh, Leonard and, and other, other men of God that literally thousands of people, God, and now in 2021, they're here, God, and, and like we all are, trying to deal with this stupid pandemic and, and all this stuff that we're dealing with. God, it's difficult. It's scary at times. Oh, God, may this church stay on mission. Uh, may they be people of prayer and of the word, and may God, most of all, may this church, individuals and, and a, as a collective group, may they have faith today. May they not lose their faith, Lord. We love you. We commit ourselves to you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.